if you would open up to the book of Colossians. Sorry about that. We're going to go to the book of Colossians. And we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3. If you guys aren't familiar, we go through the Bible one book at a time, verse by verse. And uh, we've been working through the book of Colossians. I've been enjoying it. Um, helps me kind of dig it apart a little bit more. And I get to learn a lot. And you guys get to learn too. So we're going to Colossians chapter 3 today. We're going to go to Colossians 3 and verse 1. We'll be getting the chapter. And we read Colossians 3, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for, for, you, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you it's been preserved through the ages. And we thank you that it is alive and active today and that it is useful for us and it can be applied to our day. In Jesus' name, amen. The last two weeks, we've studied through the second chapter of, of Colossians and we learned about rules. And we? we learned about laws. We learned about regulations and that all these rules, laws, regulations, rituals that are man-made laws of religion have no authority. They have no dominion over our salvation. We also learned and discovered that the laws set forth by the Israelites to abide by the Mosaic law were replaced by Christ. Were replaced by Christ and his sacrificial act at Calvary's cross. We are free in Christ is what we learned. We were free in a way by Christ who grants or denies salvation. Nothing we do aside from accepting Him as Savior can save us from eternity in hell, is what we've learned. And today, as we begin to study through chapter 3, we learn that godly living is an important part of the Christian life. We should strive to live our lives in a way that glorifies God, not so that we can try and belong to Jesus, but because we are adopted by Him and we belong to you belong to Jesus today? Have you ever noticed how people take on the characteristics of those they are around? That's what I want to ask you guys before we get started. Have you ever noticed that? Like, um, we got this, this person at work that speaks with a southern accent. They'd be like, y'all, y'all, y'all do all right now, by now, all right? We got a new boss at work. She's from Montana. This was several years ago. And she was... Um, Meeting people, you know, getting to know people. And she went and shook, shook this person's hand and said, Oh, where are you from? Well, I'm from right here. Born and raised in Green River, Wyoming. She talks with an Alabama accent because she spent some time in Alabama. We were, we, we, you know, we all were involved in the homecoming events last week, somewhere or another, whether we saw red and white everywhere, or we went to parades, or we got kids going to homecoming. And, our uh, exchange student, she got invited to homecoming by the exchange student that lives next door. And so, you know, homecoming here, I just got to say, first of all, homecoming in Big Piney is a little bit different than homecoming where I went to. Because the homecoming dance where I went to is a semi-formal. And part of that semi-formal is you get the, the young lady a corsage, you wear a boutonniere, um, you know, you wear at least a tie. And the girls wear a nice dress, and everybody gets pretty, and they go out to dinner, and then they go to the dance. And here it's more like you just kind of go to the dance, right? Is that kind of how I read things? You just kind of go to the dance. 
Well, our neighbors are hosting the kid that invited our daughter, I can call Basha our daughter, um, to homecoming. And, uh, you know, I'm asking Basha, like, okay, so where's he taking you to dinner? You know, it's like, no, they don't do that. You just go to the dance. I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'm not going to mess with tradition, I guess. Well, our neighbors were like, no, he didn't. He's going to be a gentleman. He's going to get her flowers. He's going to take her out to dinner. That's just the way it is. Because that's how we did at our homecoming. So, our next door neighbor, Christina, she come over and I was actually playing with the popcorn machine in the driveway, learning how to use this thing so I didn't like to have nasty popcorn. And I'm out there working at the popcorn. I don't even know where I'm going with this, but I, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get there. I'm going to get there, I promise. But, Oh man, it's gonna get a long get a long way to get there. But anyway, so she comes over, she's like, I need to have a chat with your wife about about homecoming. She goes walking by. Now, this has happened before where somebody's like, I need to have a chat with your wife, or I need to have a chat with you, and it never ends well. I'm like, oh no. What happened? You guys know what I mean? Like somebody comes over and knocks on the door, I need to talk about your son. I was like, I hope it's good. She's like, it's no problem. We're just gotta work some things out. I'm like, I'm just gonna make popcorn. You know? Well, she was coming over to say, hey. My two boys, because she's hosting two boys, she got three teenagers in her house, and she's pregnant. Pray for her. But anyways, she says, the two boys that I'm hosting that are taking girls to homecoming, they're going to be chivalrous, and they're going to do this right. John, or Julian, is going, and you guys met Julian last week, the big German kid. Julian is going to take Basha for dinner. He's going to do flowers, he's going to do a whole kip boodle. They can't drive, though. So we're going to take John, John and his date, which is the other guy, we're going to take them up to the den so that he can have take her to dinner. And we were wondering if maybe you guys could escort Julian and Basha up to the den and they can have their dinner and we could just have a couple dates. That's good. Okay, so now I'm getting to my point. Well, we're driving up there yesterday, and I forget what word Kim said, but it just came off and Julian was like, what? Well, she accented it different like, like Basha would, so it was like less understandable. But when we're around somebody that has different characteristics than us like that, we kind of sometimes take on their characteristics, right? I mean, like, this is going to take some of you back, and it's probably going to put some of you guys in a place that you don't even understand. When I was in high school, punk rock was in. All right? And I dated this girl for a while that liked this band called Blink-182. All right? Some people got like, what? Like, it was the hot commodity when I was in high school. Blink-182. I never heard of them. Like, give me some John Michael Montgomery. I'm good to go, you know. But because I was dating her, all of a sudden I'm starting to like, you know, Blink-182 or The Offspring, you know, like those kind of bands. Just trying Because, you know, like you start to mold to the people that you're around, right? We pick up the phrases. We pick up the habits, good or bad. And we even pick up their ideals, good or bad, the people that we're around. But since we belong to Christ, right, we're, we're Christ followers, we're believers in Christ, shouldn't we mold closer to the ideals of him? Shouldn't we pick up his habits, his ideas, his practices? We should strive to be close to him, and in doing so, we should end up being more like him. Isn't that what the Colossians intro in chapter 3 is about? And so I give you guys some ideas out of this, because I'm, I'm looking at this passage and going, what is he telling me? The first thing he's telling me is, man, I need to live my life in kingdom-mindedness. Kingdom-mindedness. You know what that means? That means life 
is live with his kingdom in mind. Being his believer, being part of his church, being a part of understanding his eternity. Setting our hearts, setting our affections toward our ultimate goal, heaven. Right? Eternity with him where Christ is at the right hand of the Father. Complete release from the effects of a sinful world is our ultimate goal. The sinful things of our old life should be, should be removed and we should be working towards a higher level of sanctification every day. You ever been around one of those believers who's got it all together? No, you know what I'm talking about. They got it all together. They'll tell you, they got it all together. Everything's percent It's good. I read my Bible for a few hours every morning. And, and you believe them, right? Because, like, listen, they are holy, right? We are all working towards a higher level of purification as we go along. And we are never going to be complete here on earth. But we work and we sanctify and we bring ourselves closer and closer and closer and closer to Him as we live out our daily lives, but we're next to Him and becoming more like Him. That's what we should be doing, right? And we should be putting away the old things and we should be bringing in the new things that Christ has offered. 2 Corinthians 5, verse, verse 17 says it this way, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. That's what we should have. So we should be seeking heavenly things. We should be spiritually minded, in tune, listening to the Holy Spirit, letting Him work through us, speak to us, and speak out of us. Our actions should reflect our destination. You guys hear that? Our actions should reflect our destination. When you really deeply, truly believe in something, you stand behind it. You stand for your family. This blonde kid over here, even though he's a goofy freshie, can I call him a freshie? Is that okay? He's a freshman? He's a freshie? Even though he's a goofy freshie, I stand behind him. You know what I mean? I believe in him. I love him. I, I, I will take care of him. I stand behind him. I stand by my family. You guys ever had a political discussion with somebody? You just dig your heels in? You know what I mean? Because your political views are... Are, are way, they're, they're absolute and right, and there could not be any other political view, but the other person says, no, mine are absolutely right, and I'm not bending at all. You know what I mean? You stand behind that political view. You've made up your mind. Nobody's going to change it for you, right? <laughs> we stand behind our social views, right? Case, case in point, I'm against abortion. I'm pro-life 100%. And nobody's going to change my mind. You know what I mean? I stand behind that. Right? Why don't we stand for our spiritual values in Christ as much as those kind of values and those ideals? Why don't we do that? Oftentimes we profess a faith verbally, but we effectively deny it in our actions. It's time we start to live our faith more purely and more in tune with the Lord. You know, Our dealings in our life with our families should be spiritually minded. Our dealings with our coworkers and the way we conduct our business and the way we do things should reflect the Lord. Right? The way we act in our community, giving out popcorn, whatever, should reflect the Lord, right? Do you imagine if I was like screaming at my kids and cursing because the popcorn's not cooking right tomorrow? And popcorn falls on the floor and I just scoop it up and put it in the bag and say, here you go, it's free, don't complain. Right? 
We treated it like it was a little restaurant, right? We got our little sanitary gloves on. And I probably should have a little beard mask on, but I didn't. But, you know, like we're sanitary because, you know, they're important. And the Christ-mindedness is we want them to have a great experience. We want them to feel valued through the popcorn. I don't want them to go on the popcorn and be like, whoa, some of church's popcorn mess with me. Woo! I don't know what they got going on over there, but I don't want to go to that church. <laughs> you know what I mean? Christ-mindedness in our community. Just because, you know, we got to do that. And we should be Christ-minded in our church, right? I had a discussion with, with somebody that goes to church here. We were just chatting, just having a good discussion. It wasn't like, don't, don't think what, like this was pointed at anybody. We were just having a discussion we were talking about. And they were actually talking about how they feel so welcome in our church, which makes me very happy. But we were talking about how you can go into a room. We were talking about social anxiety is what we were talking about. You can go into a room, and you can start to look at people. And we've all done this. So don't tell me this happened. But you start looking at people and you go, oh, you start picking them apart. You know what I mean? Like, like you can go, well, she's got blonde hair and she wears glasses. You know what I mean? <laughs> she's like, what? Why are you picking on me? You know? Or we can go, well, look, look, he's bald. He hasn't shaved in a month. You know? He's half bald. He's got a ponytail. You know? <laughs> well, we do stuff like that and we try to pick people apart and, and, and like look at their imperfections and, and, and they're, they're not good parts. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you remember what they did? You know what I mean? Like, we do that. We came to the ultimate kind of idea that a lot of times we do that is because if we can bring out everybody else's imperfections, then our imperfections get hidden and we feel good about ourselves, and therefore we are masters of the universe. You know what I mean? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? But we shouldn't even do that in our church family, right? We should we should look at each other like Christ. My child, my son, my daughter that I love that I was willing to sacrifice it all for. That's the way we should look at our look at our family. Right? We're a family in here. Right? All aspects of our lives should be based in Christ likeness. I gotta tell you guys, word editor, when you type in word and it does autocorrect and it tells you the spelling's wrong and stuff. It did not like me putting bases there. But it's true, man. I think man, you gotta you gotta Squeeze up that, that Holy Spirit juice in the pan and you've got to cover yourself with it. So that everything that you do is Christ-minded. With Him in mind. With His kingdom in mind. With His Father in mind. Right? We've got to be Christ-like, kingdom-minded. And one of the big things we've got to do to get there is we've got to die to worldly ways. You know what I mean? We as believers are dead to present things. We are buried with Christ and planted into the likeness of His death. And we are crucified to the world. Right? And that doesn't mean that we got to like sit in our house and we can't have a television, we can't listen to the radio unless it's Caleb. And, uh, you know, and we got we got to just incessantly like read the Bible and we can't read the newspaper because, you know, that's not God's written word. You know what I mean? But we should be dying to the things. The things that, that we look for in pleasure in the world Shouldn't, shouldn't be what we look to for pleasure now because our ultimate joy and happiness is found in Him, right? In our ultimate destination. Galatians 6.14 says, May I never boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified in me and I to the world. Our interest in worldly ways is dead. It is no longer what we look to for sustained happiness. The joys of this life are temporary, material items. I gotta tell you guys, I, I got a new car this week. And it's nice. I like my new little car. It goes fast, it's pretty, 
It's got things that I didn't even know what they can part of. If I swerve out of lane, it takes over and puts me back in the lane. It does cool things. It's a neat little car. But that's not where we... What's that? No. <laughs> I named it Vanna White, by the way, because it's white. So it's Vanna White. All my cars have to have a name. So it's Vanna. But anyways. So, you know, material things, things like that, getting cars, being able to have a camper. That's just okay. God's got us on says we gotta enjoy life. And we gotta have the necessities of life taken care of. But when we go, man, if I buy a brand new car, I'm gonna be happy. That's what's gonna make me happy. You're gonna be happy driving at home until that first payment comes. You're not gonna be happy. But when you call the insurance company, they tell you how much the insurance is, so you didn't do your research, you're not gonna be happy, right? Right? They're temporary happiness, right? Material items. Feel good activities are temporary items that we should be or temporary things that we should be dead to. My kids in two weeks are going to Lagoon. All right? You guys been to Lagoon, right? We like Lagoon, right? I know the highnesses have been to Lagoon. Right? Lagoon's fun. But if that's all you're doing to try to bring happiness is being doing that or finding your joy in just outdoor activities all the time or your hobbies all the time, you're going to be left very disappointed. You know? You are. How many of you guys like chocolate? Chocolate's good. Chocolate's good. And Bosch is not here today, so I get to talk about it a lot. All right? He likes chocolate, too. And we did the... Have you guys ever heard about Hershey's chocolate? How it relates to European? You guys ever heard that? Europeans do not like Hershey's chocolate. They hate your Hershey's chocolate. When Hershey's cultures the milk for their chocolate, they use an acid in that milk that is the same kind of acid that you have in your stomach. So it has a sour taste to it that we as Americans that love our Hershey's chocolate don't register in our head. Well, Bosch is at our house. We're like hanging out one evening. He's like, hey, Bosch, I got a science experiment for you. I pull out a Hershey's bar. I'm eating Hershey's bar. She says, have, have, some, have some chocolate. She puts it in her mouth. She thinks, oh, oh, that is bad. She's like, is that stuff gone bad? Is it expired? She spits it into a napkin. That is disgusting. You know what I mean? It was funny. But anyways, that's just a side story. I just want to see if it was true, and it is. Chocolate is good. I love chocolate. I saw some of you guys getting some chocolate muffins. I saw you guys making hot chocolate a few minutes ago. We like chocolate. I love a good chocolate. High chocolate content. I like the uh, Ghirardelli dark chocolate with caramel and sea salt. That's good. Or the Lindor truffles. Those are, those are good. 70% cacao good lint chocolate. Love it. All right? It's good. But if I sat down and I had a heaping plate of chocolate, chocolate isn't good. I won't get a sick stomach. You know? We had kids in our house this week that enjoyed too much of the world's finest chocolate because there's a big fundraiser going on in town. How many guys got roped into buying world's famous chocolate? Or finest chocolate, right? Right? It's going mad in, in the school. Waking up with sick stomachs because they had a little bit too much chocolate. You know, or if we continue to do that, need all that chocolate all the time, and, and it's a regular part of our diet, what's going to happen to us? We're going to have to get a wheelbarrow, right? Because we can't carry our belly, right? Or we could have other health issues. We get diabetes or something like that, right? Chocolate's a joyful thing. It's a temporary joy, though. It's not what we should look to for happiness, right? Because it brings problems if we do that. 
And so many of the different things, the habits we have, the material items that we do, is the same way. You know, a little bit, good. Our focus, bad. You know what I mean? Buying new cars can be an addiction. You're buying a new car every six months. You know, you're buying a new car. You're buying a new car. Pretty soon you're so upside down in car and car debt, it's like I can't do anything but pay for cars. It's bad, right? We got to die to those kind of worldly ways, and we got to live life in the other world, heaven, right? Being reborn in Christ, our new life comes from Christ, and we find joy in that. We are nourished by Christ, so we should be diving into it, right? And the perfection of our life is found in Christ. Our new life is hidden in Christ. John 14, 19 says, Because I live, you shall live also. That's Jesus talking. Because I live, and that's him talking about, man, I was there. I was down in there. The stone went away, and I am alive now. And because of that, you get to live too, if you so choose me. Right? Our hope and perfection of happiness in this life, this part, we listen to Francis Chan at the beginning of church. He's talking about the rope with the little red part at the beginning and then the white part that has no end. Right? And what we do in this red part has a lot to say about what happens down that road. Right? He says that. And that's what Colossians like here. It's not saying that the way we live our life dictates our salvation, but it's saying because of our salvation, this is how our life is going to be done, right? Our hope and perfection of happiness in this life is in Christ and in his hope that his triumphant return to earth will happen. If we live a life surrendered to Christ, we can know what it's like to be in his glory, right? Because... We're going to be in His glory when that happens. Right? I lost my train of thought here. I look at my notes again. He takes glory in His redeemed children. And when He returns second, the glory that He taught, they talk about Him coming down in His glory, a lot of that glory is going to exist in the fact of His redeemed being with Him. Look at all these that chose me. And we're coming together. That's His glory. He will be glorified by His people and we are glorified by Him. It reminds me of the beatitude Christ gave in the Sermon of the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5 says it this way, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The meek. Who are the meek? The meek are the ones that they realize, not about me, man, I can't do it. I'm, I'm not good at it. If I did it myself, it's a mess. I make poo-poo, right? But if He does it, is taken care of. And you get the inheritance from realizing where you come from, where you stand, and where you belong. And that's in Christ, and that's in Christ alone. And the eternity will be spent together. Those of us who choose Him and Him will be together. I love that old audio adrenaline song, Coming to My Father's House. The big, big house with lots and lots of rooms with a big, big yard where we can play football, with a big, big table with lots and lots and lots of food. It's my Father's house. Inviting us to be in His house because we are, will dwell in the house of the Lord forever when we choose Him. Awesome.